Support for today's episode of the DNVR Broncos podcast comes from Manscaped. Manscaped has the right job, uh, right tools to get the job done quickly, safely, and hygienically. And when you use the code DNVR20, you're going to get 20% off your entire purchase plus free shipping from Manscaped. They've redesigned the electric trimmer and you're going to love it. So check out Manscaped today. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. Make sure you check out what they're doing over there at MSU Denver Online, rigorous, affordable online programs. And the professors there, as told by one of our own commenters here, will really bring the real world into the classroom and, and help you understand things maybe in a more practical way. So go over to msudenver.edu slash online to check out all they have to offer. My boys! Happy Friday, fellas. Happy Friday. Bum talk Friday. Got a little bit of news in here. This is going to be a feel-good Friday. Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, I think the world could use a feel-good Friday right about now. So we'll do our best to, uh, to try and bring the vibes. Yeah, I'm not sure we need to specify any day. The world could just use a feel-good day, let alone a Friday. <laughs> that, is, that is quite true. And and hopefully that, you know, we can bring a little bit of light into anyone's day here that listens to the podcast. Um, we do have some news, as Zach mentioned, and it's a very small bit of news that really, to me, has much bigger implications. Ah, uh, Ryan, as you're saying that, you're, you're rubbing your hands back and forth like something's a Bruin. <laughs> something is a Bruin. And it's not just Brex down at the farmhouse. Um, This is coming in from Ryan O'Halloran. And he says, Matt Russell, who was previously the director of player personnel, has now been promoted to the vice president of player personnel. Uh, This type of stuff happens all the time. You know, uh, title promotion. You've been around for a while. You get a little raise, that sort of thing. Um, but to me, this is, uh, the beginning of a bigger plan and really the beginning of that plan started, um, I think during this draft process, when you started seeing Matt Russell be a little bit more in the public eye, look, I, I'll just give you full disclosure right here. I tried to interview Matt Russell one year at senior bowl and he told me, ah, they, they told me I'm not allowed to do media. And so that was, he was just honest, straight up. He wasn't allowed to do media. Well, this draft cycle, Matt Russell started doing a little bit of media, obviously a lot with the Broncos website. He even did an interview with Paul Klee uh, of the, uh, of the Tribune down there in Colorado Springs. And if you see where I'm going here, you add that together with the promotion. I think that Matt Russell is the GM and waiting for the Denver Broncos. You're not wrong. And the thing about that is there's a long history of that around the league and even with the Broncos, because 
when I worked with the team in the 2000s, they were trying to push Ted Sundquist when he was working under Mike Shanahan, but they effectively gave Ted Sundquist the voice of the organization role in the off season, even though Mike Shanahan as head coach was also running football ops because they were trying to lift his profile a bit and show that it wasn't just a Mike Shanahan thing. So when you see somebody being guided into the spotlight, it, it shows that they're in favor. It shows that they may have big plans. But conversely for Ted Sundquist, when they shut down his voice late in 2007, that was a harbinger of him being fired by Mike Shanahan a few months later. So we're seeing the opposite here with Matt, with, with Matt Russell. And you feel like, you know, if, if things work out for the Broncos, if the recent years of building and uh, reshaping the roster – create a, a good team, a sustainably good team. Maybe he's the guy who succeeds John Elway. Maybe they have their succession plan. Well, yeah, I think you can drop the maybe there, Mace. I think this is the plan, the succession plan. And when you look at this, guys, we knew that Matt Russell was John Elway's right-hand man. Heck, he says it, and, and he likes to point that out to make it clear. No, it's not Gary Kubiak. It is Matt Russell. He made that clear when Gary was here. Uh, and then he, he made it clear every single time that he talks about him. We knew that he was, that Matt Russell was the top of John Elway's personnel staff. That was no surprise. But now by doing this, Matt Russell joins seven other vice presidents. And we're talking big names. These people are here for the long run. Now you can add Matt Russell's name to that group. And some of these people uh, that, that are vice presidents, the other seven, uh, are the top of their food chain uh, in terms of their departments. Now, Matt Russell, of course, will still be under John Elway, who isn't a vice president. He is a president of football operations. But now Matt Russell is right behind him. I can't imagine his duties are going to change in terms of his roles, except for just taking more of John Elway's work from him, uh, including in the media, like you said, Ryan, uh, and also day-to-day -day operations. Now, he joins the likes of Brittany Boland, which is crazy that she's a vice president already. Where, where is Brittany Boland going? The organization wants her to be the owner. They want her to go to the next level. Well, now Matt Russell, uh, vice president, they want him to go to the next level once John Elway's done. Yeah, and so I guess the next thing here would be what is, in the business world, this would be called an exit strategy. Uh, how does John Elway get out of here? And I think, Mace, you touched on it there a little bit. My question is, like, where is the bar? Uh, is the bar the Broncos make the playoffs this year with his hand-picked quarterback? And he says, there you go, guys. I got you your franchise quarterback. Uh, I, I set you on the path. I bid you adieu. I'm going to go try and be a part of the match three on television. <laughs> well, his contract goes through 2021, through that entire season. So – I think if you're looking for a strategy, it would, and for a timing on something to happen, if it did, it would be after the 2021 season, especially if we do not hear of anything regarding an extension for John, John Elway between now and that time. And that I think would offer a smooth transition, but the bar, I would say at minimum, it's, it's getting to the playoffs, but also 
Drew Locke's got to show that he can be the guy. And it's possible that over the next couple of years, you could go to the playoffs once out of those two years. Like, say you could go this year and miss next year, but Drew Locke's ascension and progress could continue unabated. And that would, and that would provide a nice natural stopping point, stopping point, or I'd say a transition point, because I don't think if John Elway hands the reins to Matt Russell, I don't think he completely walks away if the team is on the right track, if the team is poised for success. I would think it would look a little more like Ozzie Newsom in Baltimore, where he stepped back from the day-to-day but was still involved as a consultant and was kind of on call whenever needed, but he could spend a little bit more time golfing and relaxing and a little less time in the actual office. How did uh, John Elway walk away from the Denver Broncos the first time? It was on top, as, as on top as you can be. He's going to try to do that again. And, of course, that's probably what every general manager wants to do. But we know that John Elway is just one more on top moment from, from saying, okay, I've done enough. I've been here a decade. I've uh, won a Super Bowl with Peyton. Now I found my quarterback of the future and won a Super Bowl with him. So if that comes this year, next year, it's easy. John Elway gets to wipe his hands clean and say, man, I get to do what no one else has done. And that's walk out on top twice with the same organization. Now, if he doesn't get a Super Bowl in the next two years, um, I don't think a playoff bid this year, John Elway's saying, peace, guys. I think he's sticking around because he's seeing that, ah, we can continue to get better and better and better in 2021 and maybe win a Super Bowl then and walk away. But if he doesn't win a Super Bowl after 2021, then that's the question. When does John say, okay, does John sign a two-year contract after that? Does John say, I'm done with this after 2021? If it's back-to-back playoffs or even playoffs in 2021, if Drew Locke shows that he's the guy, then I think John's going to say, while I'm not walking out on top, I'm going to take a lot of credit for when the Broncos win a Super Bowl under Drew Locke. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. You know, he obviously, ideally, you would yeah, win a Super Bowl this year and he just retires on the spot um, or next year. But I think you're right in the sense that if that doesn't happen, he just tips his cap, says, you guys will be all right, and uh, and rides off into the sunset. And then when the Broncos do win a Super Bowl, he still gets the credit. Like, if Drew Locke is the puppet master that leads the Broncos to a Super Bowl, John Elway gets the credit. He's the one who found Drew Locke. He's the one who, from what I've heard, kind of stuck out his neck for Drew Locke. Uh, and, and maybe not stuck out his neck because he has all the power. He put his fist down about Drew Locke and said, this is my guy. Uh, if he's there in the second round, then we're taking him. Taking him at 10, which is a fair argument. Um, but he still, you know, I feel like he was questioning his own belief in him because of some of his misses in the past. Uh, and once he was there in the second round, was was ready to make that risk and, and go out and get Drew. So he is going to get a lot of credit for it if Drew ends up leading the Broncos to a Super Bowl one day. And, uh, but I just don't, I don't see him signing another contract. I think unless... I don't know, maybe if things go wrong with Drew Locke and he has to go back on the quarterback search again. But even then, I could just kind of see him saying, like, all right, I I tried. I, I tried a bunch of different avenues, and it didn't 
work out. I, I can't do this forever. So let's say that Drew doesn't turn in uh, to be the guy, which I don't think any of us believe is the case. But let's say that doesn't happen. Uh, and you kind of find that out after this year, next year. Does John just walk away with, with no quarterback, um, with you know not making the playoffs two years in a row, which would then be, what, six years in a row after that? Is that what you're saying, Ryan? Kind of, yeah. I don't know. I just think he might uh, wow. reserve, reserve himself mm-hmm. to the fact that this just uh, isn't going to work out for him. I, I just – I don't see him doing this for that. I don't – I don't know how much he enjoys this, to be honest. I think he enjoys the wins. I think he enjoys the draft uh, and, and trying to find these guys. I don't think he enjoys the daily grind uh, and and everything that goes into being a GM. And I just don't think he's going to hang around forever until the Broncos are on the right path. I think eventually he's just going to say, all right, I'm tapping out. Ryan, I don't disagree with that at all. But when I also think of John Elway, do you see him, while saying all of that, do you see him just stepping away for his, his last role as a general manager, losing and not making the playoffs how many years in a row? Six years in a row? Do you see that competitor in John Elway doing that? Well, he may not have the choice at that point. Because mm. if you miss the playoffs two years in a row, that's six consecutive seasons. 2016 through 2021 and whether you're talking about a transition to Brittany Bowen overseeing the organization or there's a sale that's happening if the team is sold that would basically blow anything up but the other thing that happens guys is um, if they miss the even with Matt Russell being elevated if they miss the playoffs the next two years I don't think the replacement's going to be internal. I think that succession plan may be altered as well, and it may be t- they may be having a bit of a reboot, even if the, st- the team stays in the Bowen family. I'm still of the belief that Joe Ellis would never fire John Elway. Um, so- he wouldn't have to. He'd let the contract expire. It would be the whole office space thing. It would work itself out naturally. And that's kind of what I was going to say. Wouldn't renew is I think Joe and John would just have that conversation. That was kind of a tough conversation where they just, where Joe kind of says, Hey, you know, maybe it's best for us to try something new. And John's already tired of this kind of whole grind anyway. And he just says, yeah, you know what? We'll just, we'll just say uh, I'm retiring and, and that'll be, that'll give you guys the green light to go a different direction. Yeah. Cause you want to be with dignity <laughs> because he's the, John Elway's the most important figure in the franchise history. You would want to make sure if that happened and not that we're saying it will, I think all of us expect the Broncos to be a playoff team in the next two years, but you would want to handle with, with, with the class and dignity uh, worthy of, the greatest player and most important person in the history of the Denver Broncos. Ryan, I thought you were going to say the conversation between Joe and John went, uh, Joe saying, John, we need to do something different and move in another direction. And John saying, I, Joe, I think you're right. I think you need to step down and I'll take over as president and keep my, my duties as general manager. <laughs> um, but during this whole conversation, what I've been thinking is, holy cow, because of this, could there be extra pressure on Drew Locke this year and while Mace is viewing it as the I gotta I gotta see if he's the guy this year before committing to him long term could John Elway be doing that on steroids because of this and because of 
maybe getting a veteran quarterback after this year if it doesn't work out. Because we know John's not afraid to swing and miss. He, he told us that. But let's say Drew doesn't, doesn't prove that he's truly the guy, but he's also not terrible. So it's not an easy decision on whether to roll with him in 2021 or not. Uh, would, would John say, nope, that's not enough. I needed to be convinced by Drew this year. And because of that, I'm trading the future away. I'm giving two first-round picks to go get Aaron Rodgers. I'm uh, signing Matthew Stafford or Ben Roethlisberger, whatever veteran quarterbacks available next offseason, to a big contract so that he can just have one more chance at a grand slam before he's out after next year. It's an L.A. type of move, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was going to say, I can't say <laughs> no unequivocally. Um, and the question would be, what's the bar for Drew? Because, like, I think if the Broncos went 8-8 eight and eight this season, they'd be silly to do something like that. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess, ah, oh, man. Yeah, like I said, if they were to go 8-8 eight and eight this season and, you know, a couple, a couple external factors held them back a little bit, mm-hmm. And then next year, John's last hurrah, or what, what was it with Peyton, the last rodeo? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I would, I would criticize them um, for, for stunting Drew Locke's growth just to try and have one last bang on your way out. Um, so I hope that doesn't happen. Now, if it was a 5-7, and 6-10 and 10 type of situation, then I would understand. But – you know, John Elway of all people should know that it doesn't just click right off the bat for quarterbacks and, and it's and they, de- they deserve time and they need time. So I would, I would criticize that move. Well, here's the thing with Drew Locke and whether he shows that he can be the guy. I mean, there are numbers and metrics you can use, but by and large, you're going to know it if, and when you see it. And you mentioned a, like a six and 10, five and 11 type of season. Zach's guy, Aaron Rodgers, back in his first season as a starter, the Packers went 6-10. and 10, And they were 13-3 and three the year before. Precisely but they my had a, point on Aaron Rodgers. they had a lot – stop it. They had a lot of injuries that year. And I, I – actually, one of the games I covered that year was in Green Bay, and the Packers lost 35-31. But it was one of those things where you knew it when you saw it. And you watched Aaron Rodgers – and I thought having seen him in person and then having seen a few of his games on TV that year, I thought, okay, they're in good hands. They're going to be fine. They have nothing to worry about. And then lo and behold, they were back in the playoffs next year. So it's going to depend how it happens. I mean, it's, it's possible that the Broncos could go nine and seven, sneak into the playoffs, but it's nine and seven built around defense and happening in spite of the quarterback. We've seen seasons like that around the NFL before. Or if the defense fails to congeal, if there are injuries on that side and the Broncos are losing some shutouts, but Drew Locke is proving you know, worthy of the challenge, they, it could be seven and nine and you say, hey, we've got the guy. It's, it's not something that you can put a hard and fast scale on right now. Now, it would be potentially a selfish move for, for Elway to abandon the future. I mean, of course it would be. But who would put their foot down in the organization and say, no, you can't go trade for Aaron Rodgers or dump Drew uh, because he was middle ground. That's, that's the issue here. Uh, or so, some people may say it's not an issue, but there's no one. 
There's no owner that would stop John from doing that. Uh, I don't believe Joe Ellis would get in the way of a football decision like that. John's at the top. So if he wants to make uh, a move for right now and abandon the future because he wants to win in 2021, his last year of the deal, it's happening. Well, there's something bigger than that. Even though you don't have an owner, Joe Ellis wants to – and Mac Freeman and all the people on the business side and pretty Bowen, they want to sell club seats and they want to sell suites. And if you struggle this year and Drew Locke, or if you're average and Drew Locke is just okay, but not moving the needle, especially in terms of those premium seat sales, then you may have to try something audacious, especially in a tough economic climate that appears to be looming over the next few years, you may have to do something bold in order to, to flip the field. And that's why if Drew Locke doesn't show clearly he's the guy this year, I think they would consider making a move for Aaron Rodgers because that's the sort of thing that when you did that, all of a sudden those premium, those premium seats, and they're important because that's where you keep, you keep all the revenue from that. They're a huge driver for the team, for the team. That's where, you, you make a lot of money and it, like basically Peyton Manning, for example, when the Broncos added him, they went from having vacancies in the suites and vacancies in the club seats to being sold out. So Peyton Manning effectively paid for himself. Yeah. When you said make a bold and audacious move at quarterback, I thought you were going to say sign notable free agent, Kyle Sloter. <laughs> <laughs> All he needs is a chance guys, a real chance. He, he, he needs a developmental league. Like he he needs the NFL to buy the XFL assets, shift around a few teams, and then launch the XFL in 2021. Even if there are no fans, you're launching it for gambling and developmental purposes, and then go start there. No, that, Mace, how, what he what he needs is a chance. He needs he needs to be given the starting well, he, role somewhere. He's been given. <laughs> the thing is, I I I do find it's interesting that. You talk about somebody who has been in camps for three years and has gotten a fair amount of preseason time, and he says he hasn't been given a chance. Now, that being said, I'll pour fuel, fuel on the fire and say that the Lions should have been playing him instead of David Blau in week 16 last but year. But there's a reason why. Like, <laughs> uh, there, No team has said, like, oh, well, can't start Kyle Slaughter. He's just too good. Uh, or, like, like, oh, we're not – like. I, I don't even believe that the Lions would have said, like, we're, we should start Blau over Sloter because we're trying to tank. Like, I just don't think teams think that way. So, uh, no, he, he doesn't just need a chance. He needs to just be better at football. He was – it just – I'll never get over the line that John Elway pretty much told us. He said, Kyle, I don't want you to embarrass yourself. So that's why I'm cutting you. You're losing your job because that's less embarrassing than you stepping on the field. And I'll actually give him this. I don't think he did get a real chance in Denver. No, um, he did not. He, so like to all the people who are diehard Kyle Slaughter supporters who think he got a, a rough shake in Denver, you're correct. Because of Paxton Lynch – he got a rough shake in Denver, and, and, and I'll give you that one. But he's had chances on multiple different teams since then, and it's not all systemic against him 
that every place he goes, there's a first round pick in front of him. That's, you know, keeping him from getting a real chance uh, that, that is worse than him. It's just not the way it is. So I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have brought that up because now people are going to no, be it, mad. It's okay. <laughs> but it's, it's always interesting that there are Slaughter stands out there because whether it was on radio or social media, if I ever brought up that practice that Slaughter had, I think it was going into that preseason finale where he was going up against the first team defense and they picked him off like four times and they were just toying with the guy. Then inevitably someone will say, well, he was just running the scout team and that's what he was supposed to do. And I'm like, okay, uh, if you're running the scout team, you're trying to approximate the offense, but you're not supposed to be bad. That that practice is probably where John Elway got the idea that he was going to get embarrassed because he got like I just remember like a key to leave like screaming his name as he's yep. running the other way with the ball like he got embarrassed in that practice. He, oh, it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. So do we think that when the Broncos signed Kyle Slaughter to be the one they trade for Aaron Rodgers to maybe be a better practice squad quarterback and, and scout team quarterback? You would. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers could you imagine Aaron Rodgers coming here would I mean be a frenzy and they could probably sell it as a this can help Drew Locke type of thing too right right so then LA gets to keep Drew in his back pocket in case something develops yeah because mm-hmm. well, I mean Drew has Drew when he was coming up compared himself to Aaron Rodgers Yep. So they could say, like, we wanted to, you know, we want to have one year with Aaron Rodgers. He's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. We've had a lot of success with quarterbacks late in their career. And also this would be a great chance for Drew Locke to watch one of his idols and mentors up close and learn from him. In, in fact, just earlier this week on the Zapped podcast, that's what Drew said. He was, he was asked, who, who did you idolize growing up? Who do you mold your game after? It's got to be John Elway, right? That's how the question was phrased. And he said, man, I love John Elway. He's great. But uh, it was actually Aaron Rodgers is who I mold my game after because of all the weird angle throws, how he throws off. Uh, and his mechanics aren't always perfect. And he's just a gunslinger with, without the mistakes. That, that's what he said. So you absolutely could brand it like that. And well, it's interesting yeah. that the Packers were interested in Drew Locke, the draft last year. I didn't believe it because I thought they had Aaron Rodgers, but now I do believe it because they just used a first-round pick to draft his replacement. Isn't that fascinating that in back-to-back years, they're looking hard at two quarterbacks, Drew Locke and Jordan Love, that are complete opposites in a lot of ways in terms of their demeanor. Because Drew Locke, it's not just the the – improvisation it's not just the the funky angles at times it's also the demonstrative nature when things are going well Aaron Rodgers had that with the the belt and Drew Locke (laughs) had his little Buzz Lightyear thing going on he also they like to celebrate with a little flavor he also did the little first down thing and I guess he Mm -hmm. talked about that on that podcast too Zach do you remember what he said about that um oh right he said he said, like, uh, one of the defenders came up to him on the sideline and was like, uh, like, you better humble yourself or we're going to humble you. Uh, we're going to humble you for you or something like that. And, and Drew said that he said back, he said back, like, I'm just out here having fun. Get used to it. Yep. Yep. Get used to it. I freaking love it. And the thing is, why can't you have fun? Why can't you have Drew, Drew's not running up in a defender's face doing that stuff. He, he's 
freaking Buzz Lightyearing his offensive lineman. <laughs> He's zapping his lineman. Come on, that's just good clean. I mean, come on, that is the cleanest fun you can have. Whipping out Buzz Lightyear, yeah. Yeah, uh, I I hope he starts getting in people's faces. Um, but yeah, the only problem I have with Drew in that comment is like two plays later he threw a pick, his only pick of that game. <laughs> because I remember thinking like, oh man, he just got a little too hyped up a little too cocky uh thinking you know that he was invincible so um yeah i i could see it it, you know what you know i think the packers didn't draft drew lock because they thought he was a lot like aaron Rodgers, and they don't like aaron Rodgers anymore yeah pretty damning when they're just saying we'll take anyone even if his name is love we'll take him just to get aaron Rodgers out of here I wish I could disagree, but <laughs> I think they do actually like Jared, Jordan Love. But uh, they're they're ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers. They're sick of him. And the truth is, he hasn't exactly shown himself to be the most likable person in the world. Do you think John Elway would, would be okay with Aaron Rodgers' attitude and demeanor? Yes, 100%. I think 100%. He would, I think 100%. Too, without a doubt. The Stanford guy, if he, if he, if Drew Locke, didn't prove he could be the guy then the Stanford guy in John Elway wouldn't surprise me if he brought in the Cal guy and Aaron Rodgers I think he could look past that yep well it's the weekend uh at least they're pretty close to the weekend depending on uh how what your week looks like when you listen to this podcast uh and that means it's time for some Breck brews might I recommend the Mile High City Copper Lager this weekend uh it's a delicious beer very drinkable you can get one at the DNVR bar, if you come down straight on tap, a little extra smooth as most draft beers are. And if you're a member, you get the 22-ounce member beer, which has been a hit so far. In fact, some people came in yesterday and just said, and they didn't even know about DNVR yet, but they, they want to frequent the bar. And they were like, well, we might as well just become a member just for that. It'll pay for itself in like 10 beers. <laughs> and it will. So uh, make sure you come down if you're free this weekend and, and you want to maybe uh, get out of the house. We're keeping it safe. We're keeping it socially distanced. And we're definitely keeping Breck Brews in the cup. So uh, check out Breck Brew. And if you want to order some food from them, you can still do that from the farmhouse. You can go on their website or you can call them at 303-803-1380. So get yourself some Breck Brews this weekend. Speaking of hits, Colorado Raptors rugby on the field. Boom, crash bangs going on, hits all over the field. And on the DNVR.com, hits left and right about Colorado Raptors coverage and just rugby in general. Colton Strickler, our guy, is hooking it up with amazing coverage on the Colorado Raptors. Now is the perfect time to learn a new game. Colton's dropping basic 101 pods to break down the game, breaking down the Raptors themselves. So make sure to check out uh, Raptors coverage on DNVR Raptors on Twitter, Colton Strickler on Twitter, DNVR Raptors podcast, and thednvr.com for all the Raptors coverage you need. All right, let's jump into the questions from listeners. And the first one here comes in from Broncos Sooners, New York Rangers. Uh, is this where we're supposed to leave questions for the pod? It sure is. Yes. It's so nice to meet you all new here. So you finally got me. We got him. Got him. He says, Mace, Mace, maybe you want to do this for him? I'm oh, muted. He's I, muted. Was, <laughs> I was muted. All right. I got to get, get ready anyway. 75. 
<laughs> he said, just wanted to do that quickly. Been watching the Broncos for about 23 years since I was a kid. I'm the black sheep in a passionate NFC East family full of rivalries. Funny story. As a child, I was at the 98 game in New Jersey versus the Giants when we lost after winning 13 straight. I was heartbroken. Eight seasons later, 2005 season, I go to the game again where Denver was in town and Eli gets his first game-winning drive. Stopped going to any games in that stadium since. <laughs> Anyways, favorite memory of the Broncos in the 2000s? We talk a lot about the Tebow area and beyond, uh, but rarely examine a decade that was at first uh, in a sort of purgatory after Elway retired and then got the franchise back on track. Well, I'll give you mine. It would have to be one of the many wins over the New England Patriots that the Broncos have in the playoffs uh, and Tom Brady specifically. So, yeah, you know, Champ Bailey with the interception in the end zone almost all the way the other way. And uh, that was that was quite the game. Yeah, that's the best. That has to be the best moment of the 2000s is when Champ Bailey is streaking down the, the west sideline. Everyone's waving him down and then – of course, he gets caught, <laughs> and the ball goes flying. But fortunately, the, it's ruled out the one. I'm sure the, the Patriots will tell you that it was actually fumbled into the end zone, and it should have been a touchback and Pat's ball at the 20, but that's not what was ruled. The Broncos scored right after that. I mean, there, were some other, there were some other cool moments. Like one game I loved is in 2 Remember Shannon Sharp had left the Broncos for Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And he came back in O two, and the Broncos go to Kansas City, and this is right when Kansas City has is already getting that real explosive offense, and Shannon Sharp, in the thirteenth year of his career, went off for what at the time and may still be a single game record for receiving yards for a tight end league wide, and it was just really awesome to see. Sharp turn back the clock and of course do so in Arrowhead Stadium a place where the Broncos have been largely frustrated over the years and then you can just kind of point to some other kind of scattered games here and there like in 2006 going to New England and shutting down the Patriots Broncos actually won twice in Foxborough that decade in 02 and 06 you know Jake Jake Plummer had had some flashes of brilliance it wasn't an altogether bad decade. It was just kind of a forgettable decade, if that makes any sense. I mean, Jake Plummer had a 722 win percentage. That is pretty insane for – people know that he's one of the best Broncos quarterbacks of all time, but we always talk about how big of a gap it is between him and obviously Peyton and Manning, and, and understandably so, but I mean, it, 722, that is insane. Uh, one of my favorite moments, Broncos 2004 champs first season with him. He actually has another pick six that actually goes to the house 90 yards against the Jets, and he just trots into the end zone like he did. No, I just made that up, but none, no one no one caught me on that. But, no, of course it has to be Champ Bailey's near pick six against the Patriots, and no one – well, I guess some people remember just how much he was blown up at the end of that, but that doesn't really matter because of just how that, that just marked off that game for me and really the decade that just how special it was. Sorry, Zach, when you said that, I'm, I'm like, 
The Broncos didn't play the Jets in 04. I knew I they played that year was Miami. <laughs> I was going to add more detail, but I oh, knew you were going to step in. I had to quiet gracious. myself first. The other thing that jumps out, this isn't, necess- this isn't a good thing. It's just sort of a theme of it, is how Mike Shanahan was trying so desperately to get that third Super Bowl win. And year after year, bringing in veterans upon veterans, big names that had been all pros or multi-time pro bowlers at points in their career, trying to wring one or two final good seasons out of them and get the leadership to push what was generally a pretty good competitive but not spectacular Broncos team over the top. And he just year after year, it was it was kind of like Captain Ahab chasing the white whale. And he just couldn't quite get them over. And then after they get to the AFC Championship game and lose, it's after that that he starts to pivot more in a younger direction, does so kind of gradually because they would still bring in some old pros over the years that followed. Remember Simeon Rice? getting paid $3 million and not getting a sack. <laughs> yep. Sam Adams, a yep. mountain of a man who didn't even make it through the 07 season. He got cut in December. But Miss, we, only t- talk about, we only talk about Breck Brew on this podcast. Oh, <laughs> nice. But also, at the same time, they'd handed the reins to Jay, to Jay Cutler. Brandon Marshall was re- emerging as the number one receiver you were kind of in the midst of a, a, a youth movement. The team, in the wake of the AFC Championship game loss, the team was incorporating more younger players into its arsenal, and they were getting better. The defense was struggling, but the offense certainly was great by 08. But at the same time, they lost three in a row, and everybody lost patience with Mike Shanahan and, and that was the end of it. But that's kind of the, the theme of the two thousands to me is Mike Shanahan. So desperately trying to get that one more Super Bowl win that would have conferred certain hall of fame status upon him and trying so desperately. But as has been often said, Mike Shanahan, the GM effectively, he was the GM, if not entitled and in practice. Mike Shanahan, the GM, failed Mike Shanahan, the head coach. Yeah, and just what I take away from that decade was, of course, that 2004 game against the uh, Miami Dolphins with Champ Bailey on the field. Incredible. A good. I forgot we're even in a question, Broncos, Sooners, New York Rangers. So good first question there. Onion Town Link's coming in. Hey, guys, have you seen the YouTube video ignored Matthew Stafford throws that if Mahomes made, the NFL would go ballistic over compilation? That is all Link's. Yeah, this is a thing that happens with certain players. Like, they do a couple cool things, and they get a hype train, and now Patrick Mahomes throws, like, a four-yard drag route to Tyree Kill, and everyone loses their mind. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Okay. Oh, wow. (laughs) I would have expected that kind of cough for an Aaron Rodgers discussion, (laughs) not a Matthew Stafford discussion. Yeah, I guess those quarterbacks (laughs) up north just get me wheezy. Oh. <laughs> from horse clock lock oh man you guys make the bar sound so awesome unfortunately i'm stuck in las vegas can't even find a strawberry sky out here well i'm sure the time will come uh clock where you can come through and uh and have a strawberry sky 
or maybe even an RK special at the DNVR bar. Guys, you know the DNVR bar is legit. When people from Vegas are saying how bummed they are, they can't be there. Uh, we, maybe we should uh, put a DNVR bar in Las Vegas just to troll Raiders fans. <laughs> mm. Yes, absolutely. All right, next one here is a long one for Mile High Mike. Hey, guys, I've got a fun football game for you all to play. It might take up a few minutes, but you guys can make it up to me for glossing over my perfectly reasonable 280-word comment, last pod, LOL. Oh, we must have missed it. Uh, I've selected exactly 22 players from across the league, making up the perfect elite team, in my personal opinion. From all the remaining players in the league, select your 22 players to try to beat my team. Uh, He says, only rules my 22 are off limits. It's just one football game, so no future consideration necessary. No backups, injuries, not a – okay, hold on here. <laughs> this, this is a fantasy draft, and you just got the first 22 picks in the draft. Yeah, this is not, not fair. fair. I'm, th- I'm throwing a flag on this, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're calling BS. So here's what we'll do, uh, Mile High Mike. We'll go through his team and decide if there are any players we would change. Wait, wait, really quick. I, I have another thing we can – I assume he chose Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Would you take Patrick Mahomes and give him the rest of the team and then you get to fill out the rest of your team with guys that he hasn't chosen? Would you take that or would you give him Mahomes and take the rest of his team? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I'll take Mahomes. Yep, I'm taking And so, I mean, right there, if you get the first pick, it's done. (laughs) Only because, I don't know, I mean, I just think – the reason I'm taking Mahomes is not because I think there's that big of a gap in quarterbacks, but it's the best player at the best position. And like mm-hmm. you can trade out Christian McCaffrey for uh, um, Ezekiel Elliott or Derrick Henry or, the, you know, like. Yeah. And the other thing about his roster, I'm just looking, just looking at the offensive line alone right there. I'd rather, there's four guys I'd rather have other guys I'd rather have on the offensive line. I'd rather have different tackles. I'd rather have different guards. So yeah, I'm definitely I'm also, taking Mahomes. I'm also personally insulted that um, DeAndre Hopkins is wide receiver one over Julio Jones. Well, did you did you hear DeAndre Hopkins yesterday? How could he not be wide receiver one? What did he say? <laughs> he just said, if I was playing with the quarterbacks that Julio Jones was playing with, if I was playing with Drew Brees instead of Michael Thomas, they know my, what my numbers Wait, would be. Bro. Did he, did he say that about Julio Jones playing with Matt Ryan? Yes. And Sean Watson it. is better than Matt Ryan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he also said it about uh, Michael Thomas playing with Drew Brees. Uh, yeah, I mean, that is some serious shade to Deshaun Watson walking out the door. Yeah. It's good, though, because uh, yesterday on the DNVR Bets podcast, I, I – uh, said I, I kind of like te- Texans to miss the playoffs at minus 177. And if DeAndre Hopkins is talking bad about Deshaun Watson, maybe there's some uh, more internal strife than we even know about. Yeah, listening to uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, maybe it was uh, he Deshaun Watson is a product of him. We can only hope, <laughs> especially as, uh, as my Cardinals. I – they're uh, plus 225 to make the playoffs. You know I'm getting in on that. Actually, oh, I think it's plus yeah. 275. Ooh, you better get on it before it goes to 225. I know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess we could do this. We, we could do this. But anyways, quickly, um, just pick one 
one position that you would change out? I would make Julio Jones my wide receiver one, and as long as I'm not thinking about character, I'm going to make Tyreek Hill my wide receiver two. Yeah, on the field, that's hard to beat. Mm. Let's see. Do you go with someone other than Trent Williams since he hasn't played football in a year? I mean, I'm he's a great player, but he hasn't played in a whole year. I'm, Easy, Ronnie Stanley. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, that the, the offensive line there, the only the only guy that I'm taking on that offensive line is Jason Kelsey. But even then, if you told me, okay, you can't have Kelsey, if you're going to get rid of, of one offensive line, you're going to get rid of all of them, I'd say fine, give me Ryan Jensen, who I think is going to do brilliantly with Tom Brady down in Tampa Bay this year. Tough question for you guys. Would Von Miller be your linebacker? Nope. Yeah. No. Eight, eight sacks. You can't have that as my first team guy. I'm also going. Especially when I have the first I'm also 22 going, picks yeah. in the draft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is I'm going 4-3 rather than 3-4, and that way I can use my defensive ends as, uh, as edge rushers so I can – I feel like I'll have a little more athletic of a defense. This is so like you're not, so you're not taking the Von Millers and Khalil Max of the world, or you're playing them at four three. I'm playing at four. I'm playing at a four three end. This is like uh, of you. This is like going to like a uh, a Maserati Honda Toyota uh, dealership and saying, "All right, we each we we get to race. We each got to pick one brand, and you can't pick the same brand. I'm picking the Maserati. You guys have your pick of cars, and let's get out on the road." The funny thing is I think you actually could put together a team here that could compete with this team. Um, mm. but, but the uh, the format is not fair. Who's your quarterback? Oh, man. Don't say it. Kyler. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm, I'm taking – even though – I might think long and hard about Lamar Jackson right now. I'm taking Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah. you're right. I would take Russ. I would take Russ. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I would go Russ as well. But I would understand the – I mean, obviously I would understand the Lamar Jackson. He's the MVP. But I also understand Kyler Murray because in this situation, you kind of got to go for the boom. And sometimes with a boom comes a bust, and Kyler certainly has the high ceiling there. What I like about having Kyler is his short-range accuracy is so off the charts, and you have so many playmakers here that you're just like, oh, a little dish out to Christian McCaffrey, perfectly in stride. Oh, now I'm just going to get the ball to Tyreek Hill on my team. Oh, like, it's just uh, – he has a great arm. He has a big arm. But where his, where he just blows me away is how pinpoint he is from the line of scrimmage to 15 yards. All I heard you say when talking about Kyler there, Ryan, was short. Uh, you had me – you lost me at short. Oh, his, boo. His short arm accuracy. I'm done. Short. So, so does that mean you're not okay with Russell Wilson since he's another <laughs> sub six foot quarterback? No, of Russell course Wilson, I am. Who, Russell Wilson, who helped make Kyler Murray number one overall pick possible. Yep. Yep. All right. Next original. one. Next one is from uh, Am I Right or Amarillo? He says, "I have it on good authority that the negative iTunes reviewer is none other than Phil Milani." <laughs> Uh, this just this just makes uh, me laugh. Of course, because we know Phil. He's a good guy. He would. <laughs> yeah. um, he but it'd be funny if he did. Uh, speaking of, before we hop into the show, I oh, 
What are we, oh, what are we got well, there, Zach? This ended. That wasn't me. <laughs> well, that was me because you to I was about, I wanted to more? check. No, I wanted to check and see if we were at the magic 500. Oh, yeah. And I was just number about yet to because tell the good people that we crossed it. 504. Wow, because we were at 499 hey, late last night. Yep. That is so freaking wow. cool. So there we go. We crossed the 500 threshold. Thank you guys so much. And your work is not done. We're going for a thousand now. Step it up. Let's, let's get to work. Let's go. And let's have it done by Monday. Thanks, guys. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see you then. Uh, okay. So the Danimal chimes in next here and he says, RK, I owe you an apology, my man. Apparently, my mm. alcohol tolerance during quarantine has taken a hit. And I was four deep and I typed my comment last night and credited Mace with your take on Manning. I owe you a Breck brew. Make it an RK special. Deal. Uh, I understand it was more opinion than reporting, but you make a great point, and it's easy to correlate Manning's goodwill to preparation for something big. Maybe it was in the spirit of Mace lingering here in the in North Carolina that I heard. And Mace, I unfairly, I was, I've been unfairly hard on your state, but it's not you, it's me. By that I mean it's not North Carolina, it's Fayetteville. This town uh, and work assignment is all that stands between me and retirement in Denver. So Breck Brew for Mace too on me. Zach, you know, uh, you know, you get one just for being you. Don't, don't ever change. Oh, okay, thank you. Oh, Congrats yeah, on the uh, upcoming retirement. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, sooner than now later. that he says he's in Fayetteville, I understand. <laughs> All right, okay. Football time. I want to play the Bizarro version of your game. One gotta go. It's one gotta stay. The past or present Broncos player you pick gets a five-year extension with a salary big enough to guarantee them starter status and significant playing time. No trades, no cuts, or outs from it. And every offseason, they get lost in a marijuana dispensary and forget everything they learned that year and never change. Here are your choices. <laughs> Carlos Henderson, Isaiah McKenzie, rookie Garrett Bowles, or Devontae Booker. Wow. There's some great choices there. I'm going to go with the best player there, and that's crazy enough, Devontae Booker, especially because I'm taking his last year – or I guess two years ago, when I think he had like a five yards per carry average or something. That was last year. Last year when he had, what, two carries and had a five-yard yeah. average. So I'll two take for that. 10, maybe. <laughs> uh, I I'm can't gonna... believe I'm saying this. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, go. I was going to – I'll go. I, I'm going to go with the guy who ended up being jettisoned out of town um, based off of his work in the return game but actually has proven himself to be a weapon in Buffalo. I'm going Isaiah McKenzie. Okay, but is his salary as a receiver or as a returner? Oh, I forgot about this whole salary thing. Oh, I That's not. the thing about that, and that's why I'm going Garrett Bowles, because at least, I mean, you, with Drew Locke at quarterback, you can, you can get by with Garrett Bowles at tackle. So even though and, – and actually, as a rookie – he wasn't appreciably worse in terms of the holding than he was at than he was last year. In some ways, he was a little better at times as a rookie yeah, than he is and right now. And rookie Garrett Bowles doesn't have the scars of everyone booing him every time he steps on <laughs> the field. Interesting. No one's keeping Carlos Henderson around. No, I, I'm, you're right, uh, Mace. Bowles is the one you go with here because you're not paying any of these other guys any legitimate money, at least – Bulls plays at a uh, a valuable position that, you know, maybe you can get a little bit out of him there. 
<laughs> Breck Drew. Hey, gents. If things are normal, who will be at the Atlanta game? I'd like to say what's up to all of you, but be happy to have a Breck broom with whoever. Cheers to football being back. Also, maybe lame idea. Have a DNVR tailgate shirt slash jersey that comes with a sub. Allows us to recognize and identify each other. And that shirt or jersey has our username on the back, maybe. Hmm, the username on the back is interesting. I mean, you know, when people uh, come to our tailgates now, they usually wear DNVR shirts, uh, Bronco shirts, and that's a nice identifier of who's part of the family. So that's always good. Yeah, yeah. It, it Man, those tailgates are so much fun. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what media looks like for uh, NFL games this year because there's a chance that, you know, depending on the way they set up for media, it, it might not even make sense to travel to away games. Right, exactly. Just, just to be honest. So yep. there's a lot to be uncovered there uh, based on, you know, what they're going to do this season. World of suck. Fast forward to 2025 and you're putting a final-ish grade on this year's draft class. Looking exclusively at the first six picks, Judy threw Albert o, who would you rather have, or what would you rather have? Six st solid starters, i.e. Derek Wolfs, four occasional pro bowlers, TJ Wards, two all pro players like Justin Simmons, or one first ballot Hall of Famer, Von Miller or Champ Bailey? Um, this is tough. It's interesting because you could have a different answer for the first two, for the first six picks every year. Like in 2019, I'd rather have the one first ballot Hall of Famer and hope that it's Drew Locke. This year, I'd rather have the four occasional Pro Bowlers. Well, I already know they have a, a first ballot Hall of Famer in Jerry Judy. Um, so, <laughs> no, I think you have to go with the first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, how many first ballot Hall of Famers are there in history? Do you have a, even a guess there, Mace? Mm. Cool. No, that's tough. Uh, it's, I think it might be more than that because, but let's throw out the first year of the Hall of Fame because that year, everybody in 1963, everybody was a first ballot Hall of Famer. So I'd say probably, I'd still say, even if you take out that year, probably it's, it's a, it's a little above 50, maybe not okay, more than that. Yeah. This is saying you drafted one of the we'll, – we'll, we'll be conservative right. 75 best players of all time. You know, like that, uh, that's, uh, that's something that you probably want to go ahead and take. Yeah, and that's what I always go with is give me the, the great, excellent player. But, gosh, having four occasional pro bowlers, that's, that's also hard to pass up. I'm, I'm going one of those two. Oh man, what if what if that first ballot Hall of Famer is Lloyd Cushenberry, Brian? You still taking that? Yep. Okay. Even though it's a, I mean, no offense to center, it's important, but it's not trans, it's not transformative. And the other thing is, are the rest of the picks busts, or are they just okay? Like, are they solid starters, or is it it's one first ballot Hall of Famer and the other guys are just useless? Yeah, that's that's what I think it has to be. Okay. Yeah, I, I think uh, isn't, uh, I, mean, I, don't want, I don't want that. <laughs> what was uh, John Elway's first class? You had Vaughn Miller, potential first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, Julius Thomas, pro bowler. Julius Thomas, pro bowler. Orlando Franklin was a solid, solid starter. starter. Um, you had Nate Irving, who was an okay starter, kind of a fringe guy. Raheem Moore. So I canceled um, it. 
Does that cancel out? One of yeah. Not only does that count as a bust, but it's also negative points against the class. <laughs> and the then dream. you had a guy who was, yeah, you had a guy who was on his way to being a very good starter before the turf at the old Sports Dome intervened. And that was Quentin Carter. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, so that class is kind of in – is almost in here as the two all-pros, um, but a little different. The Hall – you get one Hall of Famer and one Pro Bowler, which kind of averages out maybe to two all-pros. Yeah, Anyways, that's tough. Um, before we move on, a shout-out again to Manscaped. The right tools to get the job done quickly, safely, and hygienically. Father's Day is around the corner. That's all I'm going to say. You know, maybe you're, maybe you're just doing it for yourself. Maybe you here's, – here's how I'm going to spin this. <laughs> if you want to be celebrating Father's Day one day, you're going to need to use Manscaped so someone wants to have a child with you. Yeah, and speaking of needing rubber, Denver Rubber Company can hook you up with any rubber products that you need. Guys, they've been open this entire time because they're an essential business. They're hooking it up in the medical industry, military and defense, government, wind energy, and the food and beverage industries. Anything that you could possibly need, whether it's bulk orders or custom orders, Denver Rubber Company can do that for you. So make sure to give them a call at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. They're knowledgeable in their industry and they can do anything from custom die cut, rubber, foam gaskets, hose assemblies, and metal parts. So give them a call at 1-800-259-0010 or drcfirst.com slash dnvr. All right, next one here comes in from the great Iceman. Hey, amigos, great to hear the DNVR uh, bar is open five nights a week. Is there somewhere online to get the food menu for to-go orders? I would like to find out if you're going to have the grand opening anytime soon. Go America, Broncos, Andrew, and of course, the DNVR bar. Uh, yes. Um, Iceman, uh, shoot me an email and I'll make sure you can, you can see the menu. Um, I, I don't have it off the top of my head right now in terms of where you could find it. I think you go to the, DM, the dmvrbar.com uh, and see the menu, but I'm not sure if it's updated. So I'll make sure you get the right one. Um, and yeah, we'd love to have you order for takeout. The grand opening, we're going to wait until we can, it can truly, truly be the grand, grand, grand opening. So uh, hopefully we get the opportunity to do that soon and uh, we can only cross our fingers. Oh, man, it's going to be grand as well in every single way. Love Thunder Down Under. Off-season question to get us through. If human pregnancy lasted 18 months instead of nine months, how different would the world be? Let's see how deep this rabbit hole goes. Holy wow. Cow. Okay. Um, what the hell? I, I'm, just, <laughs> but just think, I'm thinking about this. Back in the in past centuries, when larger families were more common, obviously those families could not be as large because the gestation would take eighteen months as opposed to nine. So maybe that uh, that farm that had where they had ten kids and everyone was working the land or whatever would only have five kids. So you're talking about an exponential reversal of just how many people are on this planet. Yeah, yeah, you seriously are. I mean, half the football players aren't here, likely. 
Denver Very has weird. half the population. If that half maybe of less, us aren't here. Wow. Maybe none of us are here. <laughs> maybe Changed everything. So when you're born, though, are you born the size of a one-year-old? Or are you, tw- are you, yeah. I don't know, I'm over this. From Thick Fit, <laughs> hey, it's been a while since I commented, and I'm sure you stayed up at night wondering how I'm doing, so just wanted to check in and say I'm still here listening daily. Good to hear. If arm length is such an important attribute for tackles, would salad fingers make a good tackle? Or is he past his salad days? Wow. <laughs> Incredible callback to two different podcasts. <laughs> and while we're, enter- uh, while we're entertaining stupid fictional ideas, if old Greg was on your football team, what position would you put him in and why? <laughs> Thanks, y'all. Stay thick. Um, salad fingers. Would Who the be hell is old worst. Greg? Oh, come on, Mace. You got to keep up with my, uh, my weird YouTube videos that I reference <laughs> on this podcast. Uh. Uh, did you, you guys still haven't watched Salad Fingers. I told you I would, and then I looked at the thumbnail of what it was, and I said, no, thank you. (laughs) It looks like I will not be sleeping this weekend if I watch that. Oh, my God. You shouldn't be sleeping this weekend. Anyway, go ham. (laughs) On Salad Fingers? Yeah, watch Salad Fingers, and that'll keep you up all weekend, then you can have a great great party party weekend. (laughs) Maybe that is my pregame. Yeah, there you go. Um, So... Salad fingers would be the worst tackle in history by far at any level. Um, as for old Greg, I imagine old Greg being a kicker. Mm, like smoking a cig? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, with a shoe or without a shoe? Bailey's from a shoe. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I need, did you watch old Greg when I told you to watch it? No. No. Please watch that one. Okay. Not creepy? I mean, it's weird. <laughs> okay. You won't know what you're watching at any point. <laughs> okay. But I'll put it in my notes right now. You'll remember lots of lines from it. And that's, what's ma- that's what makes, you know, great comedy. There we go. Old Greg, I got it down. That's my homework just for the weekend. The, just the images of this guy are frightening. Old Greg or Salad Fingers? Old Greg. I mean, Salad Fingers is a cartoon. <laughs> The cartoon is going to be horrifying, Mace. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think you may have been lying to me if Mace is saying that old Greg is frightening, Ryan. I think you're just trying to keep me up all weekend. I don't think old Greg is. I mean, there might be some frightening moments, but it's mostly just weird. What are you doing to me? (laughs) (laughs) From Butch Cassidy. Been drinking a lot lately. Same. Uh, Gone through a wide range of bourbons and rice. Any suggestions or favorites I should try, Ryan? Well, uh, I have to know how deep uh, your experience is, but I am big on Stranahan's, which is made here in Colorado. And yes, maybe it's because they use Colorado water in in the uh, process. Who knows? But to me, it just tastes a little better than stuff that's made outside of Colorado. Um, a lot of people would tell you, like like bourbon enthusiasts would tell you that like cra- quote unquote craft bourbon um, isn't as good as just getting it from like the big, you know, the big guys. Um, Buffalo Trace is a really good one if you're going on the the bigger side of things. Uh, and then you've got like Four Roses, Elijah Craig. There's lots of great ones. So um, 
if you want to DM me or email me, we can, uh, we can chat. I like talking. I like talking bourbon these days. My suggestion, if you want something smooth, you can put in a cup, sip on for a while. It's uh it's called fireball has a nice little kick oh to it. <laughs> so, so no, ever like, I feel like pretty much everyone is over fireball at this point. Um, it's just like a, one of those hit songs that you played too much and, and now <laughs> you can't stand hearing it anymore. But you know, if like you fireball? like, huh? You mean like Fireball itself, the song? Oh, the song Fireball, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, you could say the same thing about the song that you can say about the drink. Right, exactly. Um, so if, if you're still into the sweet whiskey, like if you like taking shots of sweet whiskey, um, at the DNVR bar, there's a peach whiskey. And first of all, it's used in what we're calling our Palisade Mule and my god it is great the the mule itself but also if you just want like a fireball-esque shot that you're not tired of anymore this peach whiskey is delicious Mm, that sounds really good there's my tip cam well he says if you're gonna create a cocktail or a sandwich for our non-drinking folks that would represent this year's broncos team what would it be a cocktail to represent this year's Broncos team. So it's it's bright on the front end, you know, it's got that youth at, on on the offense, but then it comes through with that that barrel-aged defense that just keeps on getting <laughs> better. I, maybe it is the Palisade Mule, I don't know. You know, it's, it's got that sweetness, that taste, but it also has the whiskey. Maybe you get a double shot of the whiskey or maybe you get like another shot of whiskey poured in there i don't know yeah i'm going i'm going whiskey as well because of the mature defense but it's going to be fireball whiskey with red bull because it's just it's got to have a lot of zing it's got to just punch you in the face and be ready to run forever because of just how young this offense is and how much how much spark they bring to it so red bull fireball okay (laughs) it's got to be a mule because the mule is the official mammal of the state of Missouri. Okay. And wow. Drew Locke, where's he from? Yes, that is a loose connection. So it's got to be a mule. I, I, just anytime you got Colorado, if you can do like a Palisade peach mule, so your ginger beer is going to ha- hopefully get a good ginger beer like Fever Tree that's got some bite to it. You get a little, you throw a little peach in there. And then, of course, you've got the vodka. So you make it the mule. That's t- so a, a Palisade Peach Mule actually sounds like the drink that is the Denver Broncos issue. You realize that's the exact same drink I said, right? <laughs> exactly. But I'm giving you a different reason why. All right. Because it had, so, you have to have a mule because of Drew Lock. Yeah. The only thing we're doing is we're changing out vodka for, for the peach whiskey because vodka is terrible. They, uh, they uh, don't call him. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no. <laughs> That's your worst take yet. Wow. Oh my god! Wait, are you a vodka defender? Absolutely, hundred percent. Because it does, because if you drink the right kind of vodka, doesn't doesn't linger, doesn't uh, doesn't smell. Wow! I guess I've smell. never had the right type of vodka though. No, I mean as long as you don't drink stuff that's like a paint thinner, like, yeah. <laughs> well, I've definitely I'll, had uh, a lot of that. But vodka, vodka is so versatile, though, in terms of cocktails. And I'm, I am not a shot person. I'm a cocktail person. I'm a uh, super duper anti, uh, super duper anti vodka. 
<laughs> Super duper. Is the pod ending right here? We can't get over this rift right now? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, I also think I might have like a slight allergy to me to it. Like a couple sips of it, I have a headache. So. Wow. That's what we call a hangover, Ryan. You don't usually get hung over 10 seconds after you take a sip. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. Well, I guess they don't call uh, Drew Locke mule clock lock for nothing, right? Oh. That's, I, I stumped yeah, yeah. Ryan. I stumped yeah. him. Yeah, good good stuff there. So. <laughs> All right. Next one here is from Cam Walter. He says, I'm sure this has already been discussed on the pod, but I wanted to say Melvin Gordon might be my new favorite player. Quote, we didn't have fans anyway is an absolutely savage line. I love when players are willing to take shots to spice up a rivalry. Excited to hear what you guys think about it. Cheers, boys. I mean, absolutely trolling Chargers fans. Yesterday he was asked um, about potentially not playing with fans in the stadium. And he said, uh, well, we didn't have fans anyway. We didn't have many Charger fans at the game. Much loyalty love, but we didn't have many. So I'm not missing anything. Ouch. So, so what he's saying is there, there are no fans to troll. So no harm done. I guess, yeah. Yeah, only enjoyment for the other teams. Next one's from the other Ryan. He says, my boys, happy Friday. With all that's going on currently around the country and globally, I thank you for providing a much-needed respite each day. Uh, in answering yesterday's trivia question, Peyton Manning never threw touchdown passes to players wearing the jerseys numbers 13, 15, 16, 18, 19, 82, and 89. That is a lot more than we thought. 82 and 89 were retired by the Colts long before Manning was drafted. Manning may have thrown a touchdown to a player wearing 82 had Jeff Hireman not torn his ACL. Like Mace, I've always enjoyed the phrase, the salad days. For Snopes, the phrase actually was coined by William Shakespeare in 1606 work, Anthony and Cleopatra, in Act 1, Scene 5. In that first time around the block, after Cleopatra rhapsodizes about uh, the intensity of her love for Anthony, her servant, Chairman, points out that the Egyptian queen had once felt the same way about Julius Caesar. Disclaims Cleopatra, my salad days. When I was green in judgment, cold in blood, to say as I said then. In the earliest airing, salad days indicated a distant time to a youthful naivete. The descriptor green in judgment explains the curious phrase's meanings. Salads are green, and green is often used in the English language to denote someone who is inexperienced, hence the playoff words. Salads are also cold, hence the further tying of cold in blood to back the phrase and also isn't there a little julius caesar caesar salad type of thing going on there were they doing Maybe, that 1606 yeah <laughs> when was the caesar salad invented that's that's a good question i believe it was invented in mexico all this yeah. salad talk just reminds right. me of uh, an instagram caption that i had typed out last night and then my girlfriend didn't understand it, so I couldn't go with it, and then I just got nervous, so I didn't post it. If, if I posted a picture of my hair and referenced my hair being lettuce, yeah, would you oh guys yeah. Un yeah, that's why I, th I was like, wait, no, I thought, this, I thought lettuce was common knowledge for hair. She didn't know it freaked me out. As, oh, yeah. in, let as in lettuce bask in the glory of your mane? Right now, wow. well, I could use that twice. You know, I could right. I could use double lettuce. It's time to leaf this conversation. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, 
No, of course. Yeah, lettuce, hair. That's a big thing in, like, uh, lacrosse and hockey yep. terminology. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I guess I'll what? give her a break. Mace, did we find the dates on Caesar salads? Yeah, 1924, and you were correct. Mexico originated in Tijuana, just across the border. Not exactly wow. what you think of when you think Caesar salad. But... <laughs> Certainly not. Not the time frame, not the area, not, not exactly. definitely. Tonight, I want you to ask your girlfriend, hey, do you want some Mexican food for dinner? Then she says yes, and you serve her a Caesar salad. <laughs> I should. That's a good one. <laughs> and it's named after the restaurant where it was invented. The, the restaurant's called Caesar's. So it really should be Tijuana. a Caesar salad. <laughs> right. <laughs> it is, but it's spelled C-A-E-S-A-R. Because, so not, if it were Caesar, it would be C-E-S-A-R. It's well, spelled the, like Julius Caesar. What's the real brilliance in this salad? Is it just the dressing? You got the anchovies too, if you're going the, the, the traditional route. So you got three and great four if you throw the croutons on there? Parmesan. Oh, okay, five. Yeah, I and guess there's usually, a couple more. And usually you got romaine lettuce specifically in this. And a traditional Caesar salad would actually have some eggs. Really? Mm-hmm. Never had that in my Caesar salad. No. My Caesar salad. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, he goes, thanks for indulging me in the summer school session. Once, one final Peyton Manning TD pass trivia question for today. Which non-skill position players have caught touchdown passes from Manning, and what were their jersey numbers? I have no idea. Have a wonderful weekend, DNV Army salute. <laughs> okay. One that is immediately coming across my brain is Mitch Unrine, mm. who wore number 96. Mm-hmm. And I seem to recall Dan Klecko in that uh, 61. He, that he caught a touchdown pass from Peyton Manning with the Colts. So I'm going to go with those two guys. It, I, I was going to go with those two as well. So we'll see if uh, Mace and I are right on that. <laughs> I know that, that Nate Solder caught a touchdown pass from Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game against the Colts. You wouldn't know that. Go Buffs, right? Exactly. <laughs> Next one from Mile High Magic 79 What's up, peeps? Why wouldn't the Broncos give players who like Phil and Alexander Johnson a goodwill bonus? Phil and Dino have separated themselves as priority members of the future Orange and Blue. While both players are making nothing due to their undrafted positions, why not plant the seed of goodwill with bags of cash, cash, cash? Toodaloo, homies. Uh, this just reminds me. I understand what you're saying here, uh, Mile High Magic, but the Broncos did this last year uh, with one Chris Harris Jr. They gave him $3 million of cash, cash, cash in goodwill, and he said, thank you for the money. I am going to your division rival, the Chargers. So the other th- it doesn't yeah. always work. And the other thing also is – they have the structure through the NFLPA of performance-based bonuses that go to players who end up playing more than their contract would expect. And, you know, sometimes you'll get a ridiculously low bonus. Like Chad Kelly got $354 for a kneel down when he came in in 2018. One play, kneel down, 354 bucks was his performance-based bonus. But as a rookie, for example, Philip Lindsay got a performance-based bonus of over $200,000. Yeah. And then last year, according to uh, 
to Mike Kliss, Alexander Johnson got a performance-based bonus of just over $430,000. Lindsay's performance-based bonus was just under $274,000. So that it now it is that where either of them should be paid? No, but that's how teams kind of look at it and say, well, you're on this contract, but you are going to get the you are going to get the bonus here. And like you said, and like you guys mentioned, you know, you gave Chris Harris Jr. the three million dollars, and for what? So yeah, you're not just giving them a bonus; it would be a contract extension. And there's a chance that Alexander Johnson says, "No, I'm waiting until after this year when I can get paid a lot more than what you're offering." And Philip Lindsay may say that too. Philip Lindsay, heck, Philip may say, "No, I want to be the one on a team." Without any doubt, I want to be paid like it. I want eight to ten million, and I want to be the number one guy. And the Broncos may say, "Well, clearly, we're not doing that." So it you you wouldn't just give Philip four million dollars additionally this year. It would be in terms of an extension. Yeah, don't just give money out. Wow, you're even saying that about a buff, huh? Yeah, <laughs> these contracts are in place for a reason. Yep, yep, they're contracts. EP Bronco, hey guys, for your fantasy football tips, I wanted to recommend Brett Coleman from YouTube. In the 2018 season, I finished second to last, but this past season, I made it to the championship, but unfortunately, I could not dethrone the two-time champion from my league work. He works, he puts out 60 to 90 minute videos on each position. You could get his draft board in the beginnings for each round, but I do recommend watching the whole video to see how he goes into almost every player. Also, his film study is awesome. Highly recommended. Hope everyone is well. E.P. Bronco. Well, I think we know E.P. Bronco's name. Brett Coleman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> uh, I've, uh, I just, I'm not a fantasy football tips guy. But you just, it could be useful information the for everyone else. Yep, yeah. yep. Very well could be. So, Brett Coleman, E.P. Bronco. Last one here comes in from uh, crazy two celebrities in a row. Tiger Woods, T Woods 16. Uh, just started listening to Thursday's pod this Friday morning in the office and my AirPods disconnected. Then at full volume, my phone goes, my boys, what is up? Just wanted to let you know that eight more people have been blessed by Zach. <laughs> I absolutely oh, love, love it, that. T Woods. I hope they're now just they were like, wait, what is this? Let's just listen to it. And we just got eight more followers. So and, tell them what's up. And we got one coming in from Abs Watch 22 here, just mm -hmm. under the wire. Hey Broncos folk. First of all, I'm very glad to hear you were able to be at the bar last night and that none of the issues that occurred over at West Colfax a couple of miles away didn't become a larger issue for you guys. Anyways, I would like to lay the good news out there. I got my first full-time job, and I've been here a week. Hey. Outstanding. Welcome. It's what's going to help me play for, pay for a week at the bar in the city with you good people when the Broncos are playing. I'm still unsure if I should come when the Broncos play the Dolphins or the Bills. The Bills game will be exhilarating to just be at the bar in December when oh, it's cold outside. I'm, no, I, I got him. Oh, oh sorry. Okay. I lost him. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Where, so, anyway, I'm – Back to Avs Watch 22. I am still unsure if I should come to the bar when the Broncos play the Dolphins or the Bills. The Bills game will be exhilarating just to be at the bar in December when it's cold outside to have some cold beer and hot food inside the bar. All right, gang. For my question, I've been cramming lots of NFL Game Pass games in before expires in a few days. I've been focusing on some players like Amari Cooper and some teams on the whole like the Ravens. 
My question is, can we expect Pat Shermer to bring us something similar to both of those teams? I know it won't be an exact replica of either, but I watched Dak get the Cowboys out of a third and 20 situation that got Jason Witten 26 yards. I hope that's the kind of impact we can get out of guys like Fent and Albert O plus Cortland, Judy, and Hamler. Side question, the perception of the Washington, D.C. NFL team seems to have suffered since we have distanced ourselves from the Do any of you think there are enough pieces in D.C. to make an impact? Now, I'm not using the name not out of spite or them taking up space in my head, but out of sensitivity and awareness for the social situation we are presented with that almost spilled over into the bar. Sorry, I did run a bit long today, but it is burn Friday, as, or bum Friday, pardon me, as well as feel good Friday. So I think the great Cornholio, Mr. Ace, once again, if he is available. I'd like to go out on this note, gents. It is always a pleasure to have you guys a text or two away. And of course, thank you for all your hard work you guys put in week in and week out. I cannot wait for football season 2020. Even though we aren't close, I'm feeling really good about DNVR, the Broncos, and the community. Go DNVR and go Broncos. They love it, Watch 22. We're so pumped that you're rolling with us. And, man, we can't wait for Broncos and sports to be back as well. We cannot wait. Uh, hopefully you guys get in on some sports this weekend. You've got KBO. You've got Bundesliga. You've got UFC this weekend. All sorts of goodies. So uh, hopefully you can satisfy your fix a little bit. Uh, and, of course, you can always come down to the DNVR bar, get yourself a hot meal and a cold beer. Uh, but for now, that's going to wrap it up for us on this week of the DNVR Broncos podcast. And shout out to Davidson's two locations, Highlands Ranch, Centennial. Get those bourbons we were talking about. Hit them up. Uh, delivery. Uh, you can get curbside pickup. Or you can now go in the floor and talk to their extremely knowledgeable staff. So shout out to Davidson's. And we hope you all have a great weekend. Stay safe. Turn